Well, good morning. We are so glad each and every one of you are here with us today, whether you're watching online or you're here in person. We are just thankful for an opportunity. We are just thankful for an opportunity with us because we're going to jump a bit into God's word, but also talk about not only marriage, but relationships. Because I, I think one of the, the key things as we think about what's going to help us to move forward in our own lives together in our journey with Jesus is this idea that we need one another to relate authentically is one of the values of Riverbend. And even as you think about what we're hoping to accomplish this next year, it is a sense of belonging. We really want that to happen and to take place. And so this time that we're going to share together is going to be so helpful, I believe, as we listen to this group of people here with us. And so if we could just go around briefly and say, Hello, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind doing that. Amy, why don't you go first here? I'm Amy Velarde, and I'm married to this handsome pastor. <laughs> um, and I grew up here in the Lehigh Valley, um, and my mom is joining us today. So, um, and we get to have the opportunity to all live together, so that's an honor. And uh, we have a six-year-old son, Ray. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I am Beth Ann Miller, and I am technologically challenged, as you all can see. Uh, I'm married to this handsome counselor, Tom Miller, uh, and it's a joy to be here. We've been part of Riverbend now for 13 years, ever since we moved into the valley. So this is home. Uh, I'm Tom Miller, and I belong to her uh, and to Jesus, of course. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to this conversation, uh, just to echo what has been said and what will be said. Um, life is all about relationships. I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And as, as we begin our, our time together as well, a couple of things I just want to mention to you, and then we're going to jump into some, uh, scripture together. Um, one is just want to say, uh, this, this time together, uh, is really special and significant. Uh, but one of the things that has happened over uh, the last week is that uh, Beth Ann's mom passed away. And uh, so th this moment is significant in the sense of um, what has been accomplished as the book released that weekend. I found it significant as I was talking to Beth Ann that her mom uh, passed away, but her mom gave her the words, you keep going. You keep going. In other words, hey, here's the baton. And I want you to keep running the race that God has for you. And so as we hear a bit today, uh, there will be at times maybe some tears. Um, and, and this is a, a vulnerable time for, for Beth Ann specifically, given uh, just not only what's happened, but usually these times would be um, saturated with her mom reaching out, letting her know, hey, I'm thinking of you, praying for you. Hey, I, I want to hear how, how it went, how it's going. And so I just want to let you know that on the, the front end of our, our time together. Um, but the other side of this uh, that I, I want to let you guys know as well is that as you think about what we're going to hear today, um, beyond our own experiences as married couples and experiencing relationships with others, uh, we benefit from not only learning from one another, that's part of it, but it's such a gift to have uh, professional um, trained counselors amongst us and one of those is Tom Miller 
And the, yes, that's right. He's such a, a gift to our community, full of a lot of wisdom. And then together they have an incredible ministry called Safe Place, um, which is trauma-informed counseling, uh, really helping those on the front lines of leadership to be able to process their own journeys where they've been and where they're hoping to go, both the joys and the pains as well. And so those things are, are gifts uh, to our community. They're gifts to the broader kingdom as well. But they're going to inform a lot of this conversation uh, today. So as we think about relationships and relating authentically, one of the things that's really important to understand is that we have a God who is relational. So we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's worth repeating that before creation happened, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were doing the beautiful dance of the Trinity. They were in relationship. And in their relational reality, they created us in their image to experience relationship with them and with one another, right? To, to enter the dance of the Trinity, right? To, to join what God was doing. And as you think about how God would go about creating us, he would say, you know, they are very good when he created humanity, right? And, and he says, uh, they're made in God's image. And you often hear us talk about the Imago Dei because one of the things that's been assaulted over the last several years is the image bearing of others especially those that don't look like us and those we disagree with and we don't see eye to eye with. And that is really at, at the heart of uh, opposition to what God says of every person. You know, whether they choose to follow Christ or not, they're still image bearers of God and he's inviting them back from their broken state, their spiritual death state to come to life, to come back to the way it was intended from the beginning to experience what Adam and Eve would experience walking in the cool of the day. But as you watch all this transpire in, in the creation account, one of the things that's mentioned is, is this, and this is found in Genesis 2.18. And let's just read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And what you hear is, even in the midst of perfection, because this is before brokenness enters the world, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. We're going to create a helper suitable, suitable for him. And this word helper, oftentimes when we, we hear that word, um, we, we can think about it in the, the terms, just in our own vernacular, as an assistant, but it's much more than that. It's really about coming alongside. It's the model of what we've experienced the last 13 plus years here at Riverbend. Many of you don't know this because this is maybe the first time that you've even seen Amy or, 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 know, or realized that she was married to me uh, and that she's my wife. And, but one of the reasons I've been able to do what I do is because she's come alongside. She's not behind me. She's beside me, strengthening me, helping me, reminding me of my call, challenging me. Hey, go deeper with Jesus. Hey, when's the last time you got a way to pray about what it is you're thinking and talking about? How's your prayer life right now? And this is recent conversation, by the way. This isn't like 13 years ago. That's like two weeks ago conversation in our living room. Hey, are you slowing down to hear what he has? But it's that kind of model that's really important. And this is specifically talking about Adam and Eve and their relationship and, and the marital 
relationship and the covenant that we're to share as husband and wife. But the other part of this that I don't want to miss in the implication of what we're seeing here is that we're not created to do life alone. That not only is God relational and not only did he make us for him and to be in relationship with him, but he made us to have relationship with one another. And that's why you're going to hear us talk so much about community groups here at Riverbend. Why we want to encourage you to be in relationship with others. Because it's not good to be alone. It's not good to experience the heartaches of life, whether that's the loss of a loved one. It's not good to experience those things alone. It's not good to experience even the joys of life alone. We're meant to share those with others nor the, the, the struggles and the challenges that we may be facing personally. We're meant for a community. We're meant to experience life with one another. And not only in the sense for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others and for the benefit of a broader community that God has placed us in. The local community, the circles of influence that we would go together with the work and the person of Jesus. And so this is so key. I don't want you to miss this because it'd be easy to hear, oh, this is going to be a marriage talk. And yes, we're going to talk about marriage. <clears throat> but for all of us, underneath that is the relational reality. And that's why this talk and even this conversation and even the book, while it does talk specifically about strengthening your marriage, even if you're a single person, you could benefit greatly from it. It has so much implication for your own life and your own journey as well yeah having been single for 43 years and tom 41 if we're not complete in our singleness marriage will not make you whole just fyi for anyone that needs to hear that so this is learning to relate as a whole person whatever our relational status is even if it's it's complicated that's right that's right that's good well we hear this in genesis and then i want you to hear jesus talk about marriage as well. Listen to what it says here. This is from Matthew 19, uh, 4 through 6. It says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And really in this context, they're, they're trying to uh, really excuse decisions that are allowing them to, the religious leaders of this day, to minimize the, the creation account as it was in the beginning. Because their hearts, their hearts had grown hard to the ways of God. And he's reminding them, hey, in the beginning, this is the way it was intended. This is what God had created. This is what he is for. So as we think about these two scripture passages, they're important because it's really important that we don't miss and lose sight that the whole of scripture speaks about relationships. It, it does. But oftentimes we can cherry pick a couple different verses to say what we want them to say versus to look at the whole and to miss the beautiful vision of what it is that Christ calls us to when it comes to relationship. And so as we continue this conversation, what I wanted to do is I wanted to invite Amy to read one of the opening prayers from this book, The Invitation, and just to settle our hearts in as we lean into this conversation. All right, you can pray with me. 
Father, as we consider the invitation you are holding out to us, may we come with open hands and hearts to do the work you want to do within us and within our marriage. May we know you deeper and experience the peace that comes within the safety of your care. May we look to you rather, rather than this world for what love, true love, should look like. A love that offers itself freely, a love that is without condition, a love that lays itself down for the other. And as we accept this invitation, may our marriage become a miracle and wonder to a watching world. Amen. Amen. So as we think about what it is that we're looking to do today, uh, we thought it'd be helpful to provide some questions to, to go back and forth on because as we, we want to really be helpful to it, we want to make sure we're able to practically address this area as well as scripturally, making sure we have a vision, a, a vision that comes from Jesus himself around this area, but what practically it looks like for us to then join him in this area of relationships and that includes our marriages as well. So I wanted to ask this first question, what is the invitation about and why did you write it? And Beth Ann, you can lead us off on this. Many of folks that I've cared for and we've cared for and then our team have been asking for quite a few years to put some of the marriage work we do in with couples individually and in marriage seminars down on paper. So this was a very natural outpouring of what was already inside of me. And realizing that marriage was designed, it was given for us by the Lord. It is a covenant. It is a legal binding. It is a social binding. It is a financial and sexual binding. And it was given largely that our needs would be met in safety. And today that is being violated all over the place. So we are seeking to get our needs met on our own outside boundaries, which puts us in very precarious situations at times. Uh, emotional and relational safety is not present. In fact, many of us have no idea what that is. That was a learning curve for me in my own marriage and in my own maturity with Christ to learn what emotional and relational safety was. And for the most part, to take the polarization of either marriage is the best thing in the world over here and it fulfills every waking need and desire that I have. My husband can attest that that's not the case. <laughs> Over here that it's a fairy tale or the other side that I just have to suffer through this thing because I made a vow to my spouse, to God, and to those that were standing in front of me and now I'm gonna have to suffer and in that suffering of this terrible relationship, somehow I'm gonna be made holy. And what I've seen is the, the erroneousness of both ends of that, of that spectrum, but rather the radical middle of, and I call it radical because nobody goes there and that's what makes it radical. The radical mi middle of understanding what this really sacred relationship was meant for. And for those of you that are single, I do wanna say that I value you and I value who you are in yourself if anyone when i was single said to me that i was incomplete well they would have been met with quite the reaction from me at that time um so learning what the lord has for us and learning how to grow in maturity and emotional and relational safety learning who's safe in your in your life and who's not and also to articulate your needs, learning to speak what you need, because often in marriage or primary relationships, we make each other guess. Hmm. Shouldn't you know? 
no, you didn't say anything to me. Even this morning driving over, I said to Tom, please give me some space. I'm struggling a little bit. When I struggle, I need space. He's a comforter. When he sees me struggling, he wants to comfort. I'm like, get off. So <laughs> this is where we have to communicate clearly with each other because his intent is to care for me. But I'm like, please don't touch me. Funny story. I'm sorry I'm tying this in, no. but my mom, as she was dying, I'm a lot like my mom in a lot of ways. And I was rubbing her arm, and, and it was one of the, the few times she was coherent towards him. She said, stop rubbing me. And I was like, I'm sorry, Mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> so if we don't articulate each other's needs, if we don't learn to own them, be able to communicate them, and then how to care for our spouse or primary relationships, we end up in a bit of a mess. Um, most people call it communication issues. I think it's a maturity issue. Mm. Mm. And I do want to say, for the single folks here, um, I have plenty of single friends in my life who are holy. And they actually point me and steer me to a Christ-centered relationship. So marriage isn't just to make us holy. I don't buy that in any way, shape, or form. It's good. All right, yeah, come on now. Yeah. Amy, did you want to add anything to why you jumped into this project and, and what it led you to, to share in the invitation? Well, mostly because Bethy and asked me to. No, but um, obviously I had a choice in it. Um, we talking about that for years of doing something together, Amy, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think, I feel like uh, the writing has been something that um, I've been wanting to, uh, I guess, explore more lately and, uh, and felt God um, kind of nudging me in. Um, but it also felt like this kind of big, task of not even knowing where to start and um yeah i felt honored when bethian asked me because it was kind of a, a tangible way that i could contribute um in a way to um hopefully use my gift to to point others towards towards jesus so and from my end for amy it was quite amazing um to read her prayers i didn't give her any guidance or direction i just sent her the chapters that i had written intentionally brief because we're so inundated with information and so little connection and I just said just worship with your prayers Amy <laughs> and it has been remarkable to see what has come out of that yeah and I, I just want to say as I got a front row seat it's been cool to just watch the process unfold and even as you're here and you're not sure exactly what God's um, put in you or entrusted in you or what it means all those experiences and desires and passions there are these moments, whether it's, hey, someone asks you, would you be willing to jump in this book with me? And, and Amy often, as was alluded to, is more of a in the background kind of person, you know? So even for her to be on stage this morning uh, is a miracle in a lot of different ways. Uh, but it's, it's something that she feels called to. And when you feel called to it, you follow what it is that God has asked of you. And then just want to piggyback on what Beth Ann said. Uh, we value whatever stage of life you find yourself in here this morning. And I think it's really important that you hear that because the church has done such a poor job over the years to elevate every season of life. And then as a result, it causes people to wonder what's wrong with me. When really the question isn't what's wrong with you, what's wrong with us? That we would d diminish what the Apostle Paul made very clear that every season that you find yourself in, whether that's single or married or married without children or with children, or 
if you're an empty nester, whatever season, these are seasons that God has gifted you with. And you can uh, see your life be made much of, of as you um, seek to follow Jesus and letting Jesus have leadership over every part of who you are. And so we just value you so much and we learn so much from you. And I totally agree with what uh, Beth Ann shared on that as well. So here's the next question that we have. Uh, what things are we seeing uh, that are common for couples to work through in marriage? What are, what are some of the things that, that you see? Tom, why don't you sure. lead us off here? Yeah, I'll just contribute a little bit. I mean, it's pretty common um, for me. I work at a large outpatient clinic, and I see individuals and children and couples and families. Um, one of the things, biggest things, is, is what uh, Beth Ann is mentioning is just couples not understanding who their partner is just that plain and simple not understanding who their partner is and I would say too um, not understanding who they are themselves in relation to their partner meaning who is this person that I'm married to <laughs> that I wake up beside every morning who is this person that I see all the time um, who is this individual and what is my work, my worship, my goal, my, you know, what do my energies go toward um, in living with this person or living with our family or living in our community or living in our church or living in, you know, with moving in and out of our respective families and everything. Um, it is, it is undeniable and and sometimes very flooring to me how selfish we are as individuals and how we see things through our own lenses our own family experiences our own preferences our own skills uh, you know Beth Ann said my love language my number one love language is physical touch so what I want to do yes I want to comfort her that way and hers is not I'll just <laughs> leave it there hers is not so I have to say okay and I have to suck it up when God made me that way and I want to express love to her and she says no that's not what I need right now I have to listen to what she is saying not what I want to do and that's the biggest hurdle that couples have is trying to overcome this is not about how you're made and what your needs are only this is about what your partners needs are what they're saying right now at this moment what their needs are what they are speaking to you and that is a tremendous opportunity to commune together a tremendous opportunity to commune together and then it's my job as touch is Tom's love language anyone that knows him well knows he pats which confused me when we were dating I told my best friend I was like he patted me I don't know what that means so as I said to him today when we were driving here, yeah, I thank you for not reaching out and touching me constantly. And I said, but I don't want to hurt you in my grief either. Mm. Right? Mm. This is a two-way street. So as he withholds his touch, right, because that's annoying to me right now, it's my job to reach out and touch him. So to make sure that this isn't all about me. He loved my mom too. Mm. And she adored him. So he actually did her eulogy and her service. So I want to reach out to him as well. So this is, marriage is seeing each other. Primary relationships are about seeing each other. Mm. 
you can meet your spouse's needs or your primary relational needs without understanding them. Think about that for a second. This is where we struggle. I don't know why he, I don't know why she. That's not the way I do it. I don't see it that way. She always. Exactly. That's what we hear in couples all the time. You don't have to understand your spouse's needs, your mom and dad's needs, your primary relationship needs, your friends, your closest friends. You don't need to fully understand them to reach out and fulfill them for them. Don't wait till you understand, because you're a totally different person. I just want to say one thing about that first scripture, too, Joe, that uh, we put up. Um, I've heard it taught that that scripture actually equates to, uh, I will make a helper suitable for him. That word suitable means equal to. Hmm. Okay? So all this, first of all, the whole battle between the sexes that we've maybe heard and, and even... Uh, gotten accustomed to in our churches let that be blown out of the water because that's not God's design equal to so you know you can take that a lot of different ways but the words that uh, the way that I heard it taught was somebody that they need hmm. somebody to balance them hmm. you know you all probably know I'm very quiet Bethann is very boisterous <laughs> Amy is very quiet Joe is very boisterous so story to appreciate uh that's what god does by design and sometimes we go wait a minute this th I, you're not who i thought you were yeah i'm better than you thought <laughs> i'm for you yeah and i i think as we even hear that it's, it's so important to even turn to the other so whatever the relationship is uh, it's one thing for me to face uh, towards you and have my back towards them but that doesn't really invite relationship but if I turn towards them and I make myself available whatever I don't understand or don't fully get at that moment but I'm making myself available and we're meeting in the middle so to speak is something that's missed right now not just in marriages but as a culture we do not know how to go towards somebody else that does not see it like I see it want it the way I want it uh, has the same expectation or experience that I have, all of a sudden they're lesser and I'm going to withhold my love and turn my back. That, my friends, is not the way of Jesus. We are always meant to make ourselves available in this way. So as we think about this, we, sure, Amy, go ahead. We'd love to hear from you. I think also one other um, thing too, just I think as that I was thinking of when we were talking about sometimes it can be difficult to understand and relate. Um, I think too, even taking the time to invite God into like our lack of understanding. And sometimes when I don't necessarily know how to um, meet your needs in a moment or um, care for you in the way that you might be needing in that moment, I think just asking the Lord for help and guidance and, and also even like maybe it's, Maybe it's not me fulfilling that need in Joseph right now. Maybe it's one of his friends or um, another voice. And um, and I'll, I think just the how it's been beautiful over the years, how I feel like God has, like, done that for you. Mm. So, That's I don't good. know. That was just something I wanted to. Yeah, I remember one time early in our marriage, um, Tom, I was sharing something with Tom. I don't even remember what it was, but he said to me, 
I love you and I care about you, but I can't meet that need in you. You need to go to the Father with it. Mm -hmm. And I was both challenged and angry simultaneously. But that, that posture of I love you and I'm here, but you need to go to the Father with that. I'll go with you, but that's something between you and him that needs to be worked out. And what wisdom that is, right? Because this man did not die for my sins. He's never going to have to do that. That was done once for all. But he is God's representative on earth for security, safety, provision, protection, playfulness, pleasure, kindness, joy, motorcycles, stealers, <laughs> cats. That's awesome. That's good. That's good. Well, let, let's go to the next question here. Uh, what is emotional and relational safety and why is that so important? Many times when we think of safety, we think of physical safety, right? And as long as someone's physical, physically safe, then everything's fine. But physical safety is usually fractured emotionally and relationally way before it expresses itself in a physical manner. Hmm. I'm sure you guys can think of people in your life right now that are, that are not emotionally or relationally safe to you. And you have to be on guard. And you have to protect yourself. And that's right that you protect yourself in that. Well, if that primary relationship or that marriage relationship, if you're living in that, that's as far as relationally you will grow with each other. Whatever level you're unsafe with each other, unsafe in words, unsafe in humor, unsafe in decisions, unsafe in choices that you make, unsafe in relating with each other, that's, that's as far as your relationship is gonna grow. And it is our Father's heart that our relationships are safe, particularly marriage, that it is safe. And that's why, I'm, this is a whole nother tangent that I'm not gonna go down. That's why sexuality is so fractured today hmm. because it's being, in, it's being expressed outside the lines of safety. Hmm. That's why when adultery happens, it's so devastating because the safety has been fractured. Yes, you can work to establish that back, but let me tell you, it is a climb. It is a climb. So it is so important that we learn what this is. I'm not gonna give it away because it's all in the book. So <laughs> a clearer definition That's of good. what this is. Yeah, I hope I'm not gonna give any of it away right now. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that we do and encounter and experience in this world, in this life is wounding plain and simple is wounding we get wounded by choices that we make ourselves and things we do for ourselves and to ourselves we get wounded by others we get wounded in our families um, we learn ways of wounding hmm. we learn patterns of actions and things the way we talk to each other the way that we act with each other the way that we interact with each other the things we we steal from each other um, you know emotionally verbally um, so we are in a place of wounding. Uh, emotional and relational safety says, no, I, I, first of all, stop devastating me, stop wounding me, um, and I, I want to be well. I want to, be, I want to walk in wholeness. I want us to walk in wholeness. I want um, to be able to give wholeness myself, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that when I speak to couples that they carry in from their, their own families that they learned. And 
it might be a joking way, it might be a, a funny quote unquote thing, it might be something that is just outright plowing over somebody. There's lots of different patterns that, that we have learned and we bring those into our relationships, um, our marital relationships and also our, our relationships with our friends. Um, so emotional relational safety is asking, okay, all right, let me stop, let me wait, let me tone down the thing that I am so apt to do and let me listen to what your needs are and let me try to meet them. Let me listen to the Father. Let me listen to the Word within me. Let me listen to the Holy Spirit within me and make attempts to follow that and be changed. If, if control is at play in a, in a marriage on one or the other partners, really what that is is a lack of safety. Right, because it's the other one trying to control or meet their own needs in a way that makes sense to them. So this behavior of controlling, you have to, you need to, you must, I want, that's not safe. Hmm. So they might think it's a, it's a communication problem. It's not. It's a safety problem. Hmm. And if you think of children, children play when they're safe. Right? If we set a bunch of toys out here in the room and we let the kids come in, if they felt safe, what are they going to do instinctively? They're going to go right to the toys and play. Kids, when they're scared, retreat to the walls or behind their parents. So have you guys ever seen a couple that's very playful together? Hmm. They're safe. Couples that have lost the enjoyment with each other are not safe anymore. They're not playing together. So the safety has been removed. Extrapolate that out to the sexual expression. Play has been removed because they're not safe. And now it becomes obligatory or it's my duty or you fill in the blank there, okay? However you want to. But that design is for for Tom and I and Joe and Joe and Amy and to to Jack and Diane to play, to have that. That doesn't mean we're separate from hardships and trials, but it means there's safety. There's reflecting kingdom in that. And for those of you uh, that aren't married, and I'm not going to presume you want to be married, okay? So I think if you would have asked me, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I would have told you I had the gift of singleness, and I did for that moment, for that season of my life, and it was wonderful. But your primary relationships can reflect the care of the kingdom. And if it's outside that, you might want to consider how much of yourself you're willing to share with anyone that is outside those boundaries. Well, as we continue on, we want to ask this question. What are some ways we can work at strengthening our marriages? I know that we've hit on some of this already, but if there's anything else that you guys want to add, to this, Amy, is there anything you wanted to, to chime in? This is, I know you're, uh, you're, you're a cup of tea, you're lane. I love putting Amy on the spot. That's uh, <laughs> playfulness. Here we go, right? There we are. Hey, I want to be a real life illustration to this. Touche, <laughs> touche. But is there anything else that you guys would, would add to that? I know we've hit on a lot of this already, but is there anything else? I just say appreciate each other's gifts. Appreciate, appreciate, appreciate. There's a, a term that Bethann uses, and you can uh, allude to it, but be curious yeah. about your spouse. 
be curious. It, whether you've been married two, two minutes, two years, um, whatever, two decades, be curious. Hey, hey, what is that all about? Hmm. What does that mean to you? And um, not policeman curious. The term we use in the book is respectfully curious. Not why the heck are you doing that? That's not right. That's not a good posture for curiosity. Right. But help me understand you. What? Wh why are you pulling towards that? What is it when you do that, or you have this stress response, or what is it? Help me understand you. Don't yeah. stop being respectfully curious to mm -hmm. your spouses, and I'm going to keep saying this, or your primary relationships. Yeah. Curiosity driven by love, mm -hmm. driven by the love of Christ. You know, not just to find out, but to find out because I want to honor you. Honor, that's a big word that is missing from our culture mm. now. Mm. I want to honor you. Tell me more about that. Yeah, no, it's good. I was going to say, too, as, as we think about this, one of the most important things that we can offer uh, in, in marriage, uh, and, and they, they said it so well, is to daily express appreciation for what we see in the other. Um, and I think this goes not just to marriage relationships, but any primary relationship that you have, because often we assume that the other person knows how much we appreciate them. But usually they are either their own worst critic or they're told very frequently where they're lacking. And whenever that voice plays over and over and over again, it's hard to stay encouraged towards what it is uh, that God says of them and has for them. And then the other part of it is just to be a student of people. Uh, I, I think one of the great gifts that God has shown me over the years is that I'm never done learning about Amy. There's these new facets about who she is. And we joke around. She doesn't really appreciate this joke, but I, <laughs> I tell her, she's like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm so complicated. I'm like, no, baby, you're just sophisticated. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's what it is. And, and she's like, okay, I get it. I'm sophisticated, you know. But the reality is, it's true. There, war over women, Amy, so it's, it's, it's all right. right. You know, but there's, there's the, the reality that there are aspects of who she is that she doesn't fully understand either. And to be a student of that and to walk with her and to encourage her and care for her and vice versa. I think those, those are things that are, are gifts that we give to each other and to ourselves because it, it makes us better at what it is that God has called us to when we think about relationships. And that really leads us to what the Apostle Paul would say. And I want to read these verses to you because I, I think these verses uh, that are often thrown around in, in the church in particular, but they miss uh, when they're communicated, the context. Because in the context of Ephesians 5, it talks about uh, being filled with the Spirit in order to do what he's got about to ask them to do here in the church in Ephesus, but also uh, to make the most of the days because the days are evil. To be wise. To be wise with the way in which you're spending your life and your time. But listen to what it says here. This is starting in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so he's talking about the whole church at this point. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you, to, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And then he goes on to say this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her 
to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And so as you think about what Paul is getting at here, and as you think about what it is that he's saying, oftentimes we hear that word submit, and it kind of makes us recoil. But I don't want you to miss what he said at the beginning, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're all called to submit. And then on the marital side, there's some specific ways in which submission is played out. This is what we see here. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times people say, well, what it says here about the wives, they're to, to be the ones that are submitting. But I would say another level of submitting is happening for the husband. He's actually supposed to lay his life down for his wife, you know, and, and to re- really serve her and to give himself in that way. And this is why Paul goes on to say this at the end of this section. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so as we we think about these things, I know that you talked about these verses in the book. Can you just kind of chime in here on these this passage yeah in the book we talk about this through mutual submission which is back to ephesians 5 21 and, and this is one of those unfortunate breaks in scripture when it was translated and it, it, this is meant to be a continuing thought not a whole separate thought mm-hmm. so because typically we start with a five ephesians 5 23 husbands to your wives and wives to your husbands but the connecting verse is out of reverence for christ so out of first my worship tom's worship joe's worship Amy's worship to the Lord to then mutually submit to each other. And Tom and I will joke around sometimes. He'll be like, just submit to me, woman. And I'll say, just die for me, man. <laughs> and we'll, we'll play around with that. And, um, but there is a severity of a, of a marriage relationship. And, and if, you're not, if you're not aware of that severity, I would, I would encourage you not to enter it until you do come aware of it. One of the first questions that Tom and I do in premarital counseling, which is usually confusing to people, is are you both aware that you're marrying to meet your own needs? And out comes, no, I'm so deeply in love with this person. I can't. That's hormones, and it's okay. It's God-designed, and it's necessary. But it's not good for mankind to be alone. And an interesting scripture or an interesting thought that you could look up and study for yourself is the word submission is hupa in the Greek. That's part of the origination of that. And it means to come under the protection of. Mm. Mm. And that's very different than coming under the control of. Mm. So our father's desire is for protection. Mm. And gentlemen, we have the much harder um, place in this if you go through that scripture that section of scripture uh can you go to the next slide 
how guys as you read over this as you look over this and I challenge you to go home I challenge you to take some time and go through this yourself and ask yourself how do I do that okay you, you know how you do that is by being separate by being holy by staying in his word by staying in communion with the father by submitting yourself by being humble um, these things don't just come they're not just commands and we say oh I'm gonna do that once again this all goes back to relationship all these things come for us guys husbands through only through relationship if we try to do them in our own power they are not going to last believe me been there done that they are not going to last this is a heck of a list right there's only one way to embody it I almost said accomplish there's only one way to embody this and that is to be in fellowship with the one who made us you know, one of the things I really appreciated about seeing this process about uh, Beth Ann and Amy writing this book together is they submitted beautifully to each other. When Beth Ann wrote it, she had a need and she said to me, hey, it needs something. And she reached out to Amy, who is a fantastic writer. And some of the prayers I read were just kind of like, okay. Um, so they submitted to each other in the process that's a great picture of what it should be like with husbands and wives is submitting to each other recognizing each other's strengths recognizing when when and where and how you can come alongside each other um, and that first and foremost for men and for women is to be submitted to Christ himself and to, for that to be uh, a strong vibrant continuous relationship yeah, and as we, as we wrap up this portion of our time together today, I just want to say this to you. All those aspects that we talk about in marriage are meant to be exhibited in our relationships to one another. We're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So if we're going to have a strong community that's relationally driven, it means there's mutual submission, that there's value that you bring that I need. You have strengths that I don't have. Uh, beyond the, the person that you are and the value that you have before God. And to work together means that I'm choosing to submit and recognize not only your value, but also where I lack. And that's by design too, right? That I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to listen and to come under and to let you use your gifts, your experiences, your know-how, as well as uh, sacrificing and laying myself down and, and vice versa. That we, part of good relational health is when we're taking the posture of Christ. And so as you think about the kind of friend that you want or the kind of spouse that you want, ask yourself the question first, am I the kind of friend that I want? Am I the kind of spouse that I want? Am I the kind of friend I'm looking for? Am I the kind of spouse I'm looking for? Because if we're going to answer those questions rightly before the Lord, and if we do the work with him of surrender to Tom's point, he will make us into those people. And that will benefit not only us, but our church community, our local community, and beyond. And so I want to just encourage us to be taking inventory in our own lives and to be valuing each other. And that's why, again, community groups, ministry teams, um, 
intentional time, even outside of those two areas, outside of our gathering, to intentionally build relationships is so vital because we can't live out the vision that we've read about through these different passages alone. It's a team sport. And a team has to not only practice together, but they also have to play together, right? They have to do the work together. They have to share life together. So as we wrap up our time together with uh, these three, I wanted to ask Amy to read us one more prayer from the book. Just in closing, for all my single friends here, please don't marry for potential. Mm -hmm. Marry the person standing right in front of you. Do not marry for potential. Man, that's good. All right, Amy. All right, let's close in prayer. Jesus, as we consider all you've shown us, may we continue to accept your invitation to be known, loved, and pursued by you. And as we experience your perfect love, may we allow that love to overflow into our relationships, especially with the spouse we have been given. May we seek to know them, pursue, and value them. As you hold us, may we reach out our hands and heart to our spouse and be a refuge. May we protect this sacred union fiercely. May we stay awake to love. And may we be one as you, the Spirit, and the Father are one. Amen.